0: As the WWE troops prepare to go to war, inside the double-caged structure in three weeks, they had one final stop on the road to Chicago, and a long road it was. They were welcomed by the open arms of the Saudi government Saturday afternoon for their latest premium live event, Crown Jewel. Just when I finally started getting used to the idea of a Saturday pay-per-view, I'm still not quite adjusted to the idea of wrestling on Saturday afternoon again. I know it sounds weird because I'd imagine that's what we all grew up with, but it's just been such a long time since we've had to watch pro wrestling on Saturday afternoon so regularly. It does kind of make me feel like a kid again, except now with responsibilities and other priorities, I kind of prefer getting my other stuff out of the way first and then unwinding with an adult beverage and some snacks in the evening as I consume several hours of pro wrestling action. The last few WWE PLEs have kind of spoiled us in the sense that they all kind of ended at a reasonable time, but I think it because this was an afternoon show, and it is Daylight Savings Weekend where I am, WWE took full advantage by extending the pay-per-view time quite a bit. And you know, even if I did adjust to the idea of Saturday afternoon wrestling, I don't think I will ever get used to the term premium live event. As I said at the top of the show, this one came to us from Saudi Arabia, and it was pretty stacked from top to bottom. I've been fortunate enough to remember the start time of the last few shows, thus missing the kickoff, but not so fortunate enough for this one, although at least this time there was a match. It was Sami Zayn against JD McDonough. I'm a little surprised that Zayn is now permitted to compete in Saudi, but as my friend at Slam Wrestling Bob Kapoor pointed out to me, Perhaps the government is a little more lenient now, and I forgot that Zane actually did headline the last Saudi event in May. Not really much to speak of here, and I think we all kind of knew what outcome to expect, as JD is more or less the lackey of the Judgment Day. It's almost like he's pledging to a fraternity or something. Sammy put him away with a haluva kick followed by the blue thunder bomb, which was kind of surprising because I'd thought the arrangement would have been reversed. The opening highlight video was interestingly set to the tune of the song Believer by Imagine Dragons. Kind of an outdated song, but I guess it works in this scenario as it kind of goes with the theme of most of the matches. Wade Barrett and Michael Cole are on commentary, and Cole might have had a few decent performances lately, but this wasn't one of them. I thought he was terrible on this broadcast, and Barrett had to actually correct him a few times the world championship match between Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre would be starting the main card, and I've never been a fan of them announcing the order of matches ahead of the event. Part of the enjoyment for me as a kid was going into the show not knowing what to expect, and I feel that this announcement kind of got it off to a rough start as it pretty well telegraphed the finish, I thought, and probably telegraphed the outcome of the main event as well. Fortunately for them, I thought the match was actually really good, and I love the story here and the subtle teases of a Drew heel turn, and the turn would actually make sense. The only thing I question is what, who is supposed to be the heel, though, because the Saudi audience clearly favored Drew over Seth. Assuming this feud is continuing, I guess we'll see how the North American audience responds. The match picked up when Drew caught Seth off a tope attempt and hit a belly-to-belly throw on the floor and basically focused his attacks on Seth's back for much of the match with a flurry of offense, including a sidewalk slam into the ring apron. The announcers also kept mentioning Rhea Ripley during this match and how she was trying to basically recruit both Drew and Seth to join Judgment Day over recent weeks. This kind of reminded me of the story going into SummerSlam 92 with Mr. Perfect claiming to be in the quarter of either Randy Savage or the Ultimate Warrior, and each guy had expected the other one to sell out leading into it. Seth came back later in the match with a superplex, and the one good call by Cole is noting that Seth normally transitions from that into a Falcon Arrow, but Drew blocked the attempt and hit a suplex of his own for a very close near fall. Seth later tried a buckle bomb but his back gave out and Drew hit a future shock DDT for two. Drew then attempted a short arm clothesline but Seth basically spun around Drew's arm and hit a pedigree for two. Drew then went for the claymore only to be met head on with a super kick and then Seth hit the stomp for two. Seth went for the phoenix splash that I think Cole called a frog splash but Drew avoided it. Seth managed to roll through but walked right into a claymore for a near fall. Drew tried another claymore, but Seth caught him again with a super kick, and then Drew went for a third claymore, but missed, allowing Seth to hit the pedigree and final stomp to put Drew away and retain the title. Drew walked off noticeably disappointed, leaving Seth alone in the ring until the familiar music of Damian Priest hit, and I'm immediately thinking this is going to be a cash-in failure if he attempts to cash in now, but fortunately before he gets to, a hooded figure attacks him from behind and rushes Priest into the ring post. The mystery man then removes the hood and reveals himself to be Sami Zayn. This was a really good match with a kind of surprising outcome because I definitely expected a title change here. However, I do think there are more levels to the story, especially considering the aftermath, so I expect this one to continue, with Drew eventually turning full-blown heel and possibly even winning the title, at least for a short run. Backstage, Drew is sitting on one of the travel cases with his head down until he looks up and sees Rhea Ripley standing there. She just kind of shrugs her shoulders, as if to say, I told you so. And that led into Rhea's defense of the women's title against Zoe Stark, Shayna Baszler, Raquel Rodriguez, and Nia Jax in a fatal five-way match. Rhea had kind of a special entrance here as all members of Saudi royalty, I guess, lined up on either side of the entranceway, each carrying a chalice with Rhea walking between them. The guys, that is, not the chalices, obviously. Nia immediately ducks out of the ring as the rest of the women were kind of staring her down. There was a double pin on Zoe by Raquel and Shayna at one point, and I don't know who would have won in that situation, but Naya broke it up. Shayna then hits a German suplex on Naya with assistance from some of the other competitors, each of whom landed a shot before Shayna finally delivered the move. Naya and Rhea squared off at one point, and then there was a cool spot where Shayna had both Rhea and Raquel trapped in leg locks on the floor while securing a karafuta clutch on Naya from a standing position, but Zoe broke that up. There was a Tower of Doom spot, as is pretty common for these types of matches. Zoe hit the Z360 on Rhea, but Naya broke the pin, and then Raquel planted Naya with a Tejada bomb out of the corner and had a great deal of trouble keeping her up there as Naya had to noticeably help balance her weight using the ropes. The finish was kind of cool as well. I'm not sure what happened to Nia, but basically Rhea was fighting Zoe on the middle rope as Raquel tried to pin Shayna, and then Rhea hit a tie to Zoe on top of the pile and elected to pin Shayna who took the worst of it, so Rhea keeps the title. I think as we all expected. The only question is, what's next? I think because the next three events are all gimmick heavy, they can probably get away with booking Rhea in multiple person tags or non-title matches until she gets Becky at Mania next year. John Cena vs. Solo Sokoa was up next in what was billed as a must-win match for Cena. This was probably the weakest match on the card in my opinion, and kind of halted the momentum of the show as it was a little slower paced. Cena immediately started targeting Solo's hand and especially his thumb, I guess in an effort to prevent him from delivering the Samoan Spike, which really didn't end up working. Cena did counter an early attempt of the Spike into a crossface which Cole called an STF. They did the typical John Cena 5 moves of doom, but as he attempted the AA, Solo slid fl- free and hit a Samoan drop for 2. Cena blocked another spike attempt and hit a choke slam. Solo countered an AA and delivered a spinning Solo for a nearfall. Cena finally locked on the STF, but Solo made the ropes for the break. Cena then walked right into a Samoan spike, but Solo was unable to capitalize due to the damage he had taken, They both got up to their feet and Solo hit a second spike, followed by a third and then a fourth, just one after the other. He then picked Cena's head up and drilled him with a succession of spikes, with Cena in a seated position, and that finally put Cena away. Cena stood up to a massive ovation, and ultimately I think this was the right call, as another possible story heading into WrestleMania will be Cena's last match. They can book it similar to Ric Flair at WrestleMania 24. All of a sudden, The Miz comes out for kind of a break in the action as they announce a special edition of Miz TV. Actually, before I continue, I should mention that Byron Saxton for some reason was used as the ring announcer for the event, but I felt his performance was a little too over the top and almost felt like he was a ring announcer for Halloween. It just didn't feel genuine. Anyway, Miz brings out his guest, famous Saudi actor Ibrahim Al Hajjaj. Before the questions come out, they are interrupted by Grayson Waller. Waller basically takes down the Miz TV set to set up his own Grayson Waller Effect show, and he says he's taking over. Miz and Waller exchange words, and Miz says that this is like the fans expecting Ronaldo and getting a ball boy. Only in WWE would there ever be a comparison between the Miz and Cristiano Ronaldo. Hajjaj said he wanted to be a guest on the hottest talk show, and that's Miz TV. Waller then cheap shots Hajjaj knocking him down, and then he and Miz go at it. Hajjad ends up hitting a kick from the apron and then Miz plants Waller with a skull-crushing finale in what was just a big waste of time to be honest. Hajjad then delivers his version of the people's elbow to Waller. Logan Paul challenged Rey Mysterio up next for the US title. Paul arrived to the building and comes out in an off-road ATV. The match starts and Paul muscles Mysterio into the corner and pats him on the head. Paul shows off his athleticism with a springboard moonsault, he then imitates the ultimate warrior with his rope-shaking taunt, and then gorilla press slams and hits a running splash, but Mysterio kicks out at one. The tables finally turn as Paul goes shoulder-first into the post, and then Mysterio meets him on the floor with a topee. Paul comes back in the ring with a buckshot lariat for two. Paul sets up for the knockout, but misses, and then Rey delivers a tilt-a-whirl into a crossface, but Paul reaches the ropes. Ray tries a Quebrada moonsault, but Paul barely catches him, but manages to stand up and deliver a power slam. Paul delivers an unbelievable looking fall slam off the top rope, but lands in a moonsault, which looked really good. He then mocks Eddie before attempting a frog splash, Ray moves and Paul rolls through. He then blocks a 619 attempt and sets Ray up for an electric chair off the middle rope, but Ray counters into a sunset powerbomb and then delivers a code red for two. One of Paul's lackeys then appears at ringside and plants a pair of brass knuckles on Logan. Before getting to use them, Ray dropkicks Paul into the buckles and he drops the knucks on the arena floor. Paul's buddy goes to pick them up, but then Santos Escobar comes through the crowd and grabs them. Escobar places them back in the ring and then chases the guy through the crowd. Logan grabs the Knucks again, unbeknownst to both Ray and the ref, but Ray hits a 619. He then tries a springboard attack, but Logan catches Ray in midair with the knockout using the Knucks to pick up the win and the belt. After the match, Logan actually tells Ray that he loves and respects him, which I'm not sure was meant to be heard, but it was cool to see. Jackie Redmond interviews Bianca Belair, who says that she used the last few weeks that she was out with an injury to train and prepare for vengeance. She said Phase One started with Bailey on SmackDown last week, and Phase Two continues with Io, and she will reclaim the title. And that was the next match for the women's title with Bianca Belair challenging Io Sky. Bianca controlled the early part of the match until Io delivered a dragon's crew leg whip and started to target Bianca's injured knee. She applied a really weird-looking figure four, which almost looked more like an Indian deathlock. Bianca came back with a released German suplex that tossed EO 360 or 270 or whatever it was, and this brought Bailey out to ringside. Bianca took Bailey out and hit EO with a KOD on the floor, but then a mystery woman attacks Bianca from behind as the referee was busy checking on EO. And this person is revealed to be Kyrie Sane. Sane delivered a spinning backfist to be Belair and then knocked her into the ring post. Back in the ring, EO put Belair away with the over-the-moon salt to keep the belt. After the match, Io held Bianca down for Sane to hit her elbow drop off the top rope, as Bailey looked on from ringside and appeared to be confused as well. This is definitely an interesting development, and we'll see what this means for damage control moving forward. Damian Priest vs Cody Rhodes was second from the top. Priest attacked Cody getting into the ring and started going after his ankle injury. Cody came back and started building momentum, but then Balor came out for the distraction, allowing JD to try a sneak attack on Cody, but Cody saw it coming and dropped JD, though the distraction allowed Priest to hit the South of Heaven for two. Dominic comes out with a chair, only to be met head-on with a superkick from Jey Uso, who also superkicks Balor and McDonough, and then chases them all away with a chair. Back in the ring, Cody plants Priest with a Cody cutter, and then another one from the top rope. He then hits a succession of three consecutive crossroads to finally put Priest away. And that led us into the main event for the WWE Universal title, with Roman Reigns defending against LA Knight. I found that this match was booked a little prematurely, and the match really wasn't great either, and kind of followed the same formula as most Roman Reigns matches. Knight had the advantage until a Heyman distraction allowed Reigns to knock Knight into the ring steps. Later on, Knight again started building momentum, but then Solo and Jimmy came out. Knight delivered a superplex, but Jimmy pulled Reigns out of the ring, and then Knight went after Jimmy, but Roman delivered a Superman punch, and then a spear, but Knight kicked out. Roman then locked on a guillotine choke, but Knight eventually countered with a hot shot and then the BFT, but Jimmy placed Roman's foot on the bottom rope for the break. Knight then assaulted Jimmy on the floor and put him through the announce table, only for Reigns to spear Knight through the barricade and then speared him again in the ring for the final three count. This was essentially the same Roman Reigns match that we've seen on loop for the last three years, and for some reason, these dumb babyfaces never learn. I wasn't expecting a title change or anything, but I felt that they could have at least been a little more creative with the finish. I don't know what to even do now with either guy, I guess maybe LA could get a big win in war games, but this halts his momentum significantly. But that was Crown Jewel, and over the next few weeks, I will be talking about the build for Survivor Series and Full Gear and any other upcoming shows. Until then, I leave you with an ya.